You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, Thursday preview day, we take a look at the New England Patriots for the second time this season. To tape the stats, where they've grown since that week one game, the three keys to victory, what's at stake, and the week 17 NFL picks. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And here we go, heading into a familiar venue with everything on the line, sort of. It's been a rough month, and the guys can partially, at least, exercise those demons with a big win on a trip to the postseason, likely with a win, 84% per the New York Times playoff simulator with a victory on Sunday and could conceivably punch our ticket to the playoffs as early as 7.30-ish on Sunday evening, depending on what happens in Seattle, and enter the New England Patriots, arguably the most heated rival for the Dolphins going back a couple of decades now. And we've turned the tide with recent success, four straight wins, five of six, and we know about these Patriots, dominant for two decades, six rings, nine conference titles, an annual reservation in the AFC title game for, what was it, eight years in a row. The season never really began for them until division round weekend. Then they have a down year and return right back to the postseason last season. And if they can beat a pair of teams who have given them fits the last couple of years, Miami and Buffalo, seven consecutive losses to both of those teams. If they can beat those teams back to back, they'll get right back into the postseason when it seemed like the year was lost several times over earlier this season. It's an organization that has always retooled via the draft, but a team who took a detour from that approach in 2021 and went absolutely nanners in free agency. And that's a good bulk of their team right now. They also got their quarterback from that same year's draft class, and he had another good class this time around, the Patriots did. They're a young team. They still run the ball really well. They still play really smart, sound, fundamental football. They're still solid in the trenches, and they play really good defense. And apparently, they drafted the second coming of Troy Brown in terms of a versatile two-way player in Marcus Jones. The one thing that doesn't pair with what they've done or been for years is the offensive strategy. Josh McDaniels leaves to Las Vegas, and it's been a struggle to put together any consistency or identity on offense this season. And if we're without our quarterback, it's going to be incumbent on the defense to hammer that point home. A defense that held the same team to seven points and scored seven of its own, or six in a PAT, back on opening day. We need that this week. Can we get it? Let's find out. Dolphins offense versus Patriots defense, and of course the quarterback versus the safety position, and just general offense and defensive talking points. I don't think you'll find two more similar types of systems on tape, and Josh Boyer said as much earlier this year, talking about the similarities between the Dolphins defense and the Patriots defense, so you kind of know what to expect there. Of course, each team and each game will take on its own individual identity, but generally speaking, Heavy man principles, lots of odd fronts, you know, bare fronts with Judon and Uche attacking the two-point stance from that quasi-5-2 look. It's a defense that disguises really well. They communicate really well. 
They draft Patriot players, right, for that secondary. And by that, we mean tough, smart, physical, good tacklers who can run and play to the system. Whoever the quarterback is for Miami, I think you point to the Bengals tape. Joe Burrow was patient and took what was given and put together drive after drive in that first half. Now, again, this is where the Patriots are tough because they made halftime adjustments and they buckled down in that second half. And not only did they give their team a chance to mount the comeback, they began it with the scoring on a long pick six. Where I thought Burrow was most successful in that game was finding the backs on checkdowns. The Patriots love to stay in that too high look up until you get to the high red zone where they convert to more press man coverage. But I also liked how the Bengals would get to empty from really any formation. And if the Patriots stayed too high, then Burrow would anticipate middle of the field throws because your too high structure has middle of the field open tech most of the times. And it wasn't about ripping it or jamming it in there. He was throwing with layered touch and timing to make explosive plays. Like the touchdown to Trenton Irwin was a great example in a ball that man, Tua hits that type of throw all the time. And I was watching that game, obviously, before our game on Sunday, thinking Tua has a chance to really kind of put some numbers up in this one. We'll see what happens if it's Tua or Teddy. But my keys for either, patience, make them come up and tackle on the perimeters and run the football against favorable looks, anticipate. They almost never blitz Tua when he's in the lineup. Now, I'm not sure what that looks like for Teddy, but it makes some tight windows against seven and sometimes eight-man coverages. It's kind of how they funnel together all those picks by staying patient and, and really taking advantage when quarterbacks get impatient. You have to be right, you have to be precise, and you must anticipate against this defense. If they do camp out in that too high structure, Miami's going to have to find some success on the ground. You do not want to allow them to dial up their pressure scheme on third and longs. One coverage that is slowly building popularity around the league is that two-man. Two high safeties uh, cover a deep half each, and then underneath man coverage with a lot of times press coverage. It's a tough defense to pass against, but it opens up running lane avenues. And we saw it some in that Green Bay game, and Miami had a bunch of success in the first half running the football in that game. I liked how Miami got to some empty looks last week against that look with their spread looks kind of a similar conversion for the Bengals and Patriots game. And then obviously in that first half, the running game was absolutely cooking, but it's not the same scheme. But there are similar similarities in terms of the heavy use of dime, extra defensive backs, and forcing offenses to play patient if you're talking about Packers and Patriots. The thing the Patriots do really well is limit explosive plays. We got, you know, we've been getting those every game now. Shoot, going back to, I guess, the Cleveland-Houston game didn't really have long explosive plays, but the thing the Patriots do well is stop that. We got them on that fourth down back in week one, but that was really it in that game, the Waddle touchdown. That makes red zone execution absolutely paramount. Let's look at some numbers here. They blitzed 23.2% of the time. They've kind of gotten with you know more modern style of approach, middle of the pack blitzing percentage. That's 15th most in the NFL. They pressure 24.7% of the time. That's the most or tied for the most in the National Football League. So it's a big challenge. They've got rushers for days. We need to avoid negatives, turnovers, and big sacks on those plays because they will get in, and you're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to have to eat some sacks on some plays. These games are always rock fights, right? The 20-7 to score in Week 1 was the biggest differential since Week 2, 2019, when they blew the doors off of us. They're usually 17-16 type of games. The NFL uh, features an average of just over 22 possessions per game for both teams. These teams have averaged 16 possessions 
possessions per game among the two teams over the last five meetings. None more than 17, none fewer than 15, right at your average eight possessions per game per team. So avoiding negatives because every drive is critical in these games, winning in the fine margins, you know, hidden yardage and special teams and penalties and things of that nature. Those are big, big keys this week. I mentioned the red zone importance earlier, a little bit of a departure from the norm, just 15th in red zone defense for the Patriots at 55.6% stop rate on third downs. They're 21st at 40%. Again, if you can win in those areas and special teams and protect the football, you'll get out of here with a victory. Personnel-wise, 34, they go 8.3%. 43 is 1.3%. Again, it's like our defense in a lot of ways. 61% nickel, but this is different than what we've been in past years. But, of course, Miami has like 45 injuries in the secondary. They play 27% dime. We don't do anywhere near that. They play quarter 2.2%. Have a handful of snaps in half dollar and dollar. That's 8 and 9 DBs in the field. Their pre-snap structure, they've ran 21 plays from cover zero. They've ran 54% of their plays from cover uh, from single high, I should say. And then two high and 44%. At safety, the same dude who's been there forever. Devin McCourty, one of the best in the NFL. And then one of my favorite non-players in the NFL. I know. No sacrilege to say that about a Patriots player, but that just tells you how much I respect Kyle Duggar's game. He's a secret superstar, man. That pick six he had against the Raiders is a microcosm of the type of player that he is, studious, twitchy, and a playmaker. Then their big nickel, Adrian Phillips, who's played 634 snaps this year. He's a terrific rat in the hole, force defender type who can hang out in that hook and play the curl flat, essentially a buck linebacker type of role. This might be their best position group along with those edge rushers. McCourty is 33 snaps away from surpassing 1,000 snaps played for the 12th time in 13 seasons. And the one year he didn't was 2020 when he played 960 snaps. He is as reliable as they come. He's played free safety on 689 of those snaps. He's your single high cover one middle of the field player. And he will camp back there and try to pick off those deep passes. So for Teddy being accurate and precise and making sure he knows where 32 is, is a big key in this game. Uh, He's one of the best in the league, man. Career passer rating against of 80.8, 36 career picks. He's got three this year and a rating allowed of just 87.3 in a league where it's, you know, quarterbacks are going up in the high 90s he never rushes just two pass rush reps and only six run stops again he's typically 10 yards off the football Duggar's got two picks one for a touchdown he's got eight pressures on just 27 pass rush reps 23 run stops he's missed a little bit of time this year so his snap counts are down but he's just over 400 snaps in the box 141 in the slot 63 in the post he's also given them 49 snaps out wide Adrian Phillips remember that pick that Fitzpatrick threw back in the 2020 season opener. It was a great read and react in the hook zone, fall into that that route concept and make the play. It's the kind of stuff that he does. It's kind of kind of a key to what they do in a lot of ways. His splits are spread across the board, so he's essentially got a revolving job based upon the defensive call. They'll play him in the post on that third and long situations when they drop everybody. 178 snaps there, 300 down in the box, 129 in the slot, 18 at corner. He'll also cover up your tight end, so Smythe and Gasicki kind of a, a matchup there for Phillips. Moving to our receivers and tight ends versus their corners. The safety group is full of grizzled vets. The cornerback room is not. But man, you talk about a position group that has shown significant improvement since that week one meeting. And that's not meant to be like a slight at all because you want your rookies to show growth. But it just starts with Marcus Jones, right? In terms of going from one player week one to now who he is this year or this week, I should say. He's the star of the group given his penchant for big plays in all three phases of the game. He's only played 320 snaps this year, but 150 of those are the last three weeks. He's a starter now, and the defense is better for it. In those three games, he's got two picks, two more pass breakups, and three run stops and only one touchdown allowed in coverage. He's literally keeping up with the Joneses because Jonathan Jones has been 
probably the best Patriots corner since Stephon Gilmore left. He's almost exclusively a wide corner, just 45 snaps inside, which is consistent with the number of snaps. A perimeter cornerback will go inside with twin packages and unbalanced formations, et cetera, et cetera. Another rookie, Jack Jones. Uh, He's played well recently, too. It's really an entirely different secondary because you had so many rookies in their first career game, and now they've taken big steps in a positive direction. The numbers for these guys, Jonathan, 40 of 71, 436 yards, five touchdowns allowed, three picks. Jack Jones, 20 of 39. That's a great percentage. 306 yards, some big plays there. He's aggressive. One touchdown, two picks, and then Marcus Jones, 21 for 32, 326 yards. So the explosive plays in these young corners are there. It's kind of boom or bust. One touchdown, two picks. They play press 30% and off 70%. And of course, the numbers tend to shift for this defense as much as any because they'll attack you know, the team they're playing in a way that's unique to that team. They do have more capable corners than just those top three snap takers. Jalen Mills started a bunch of games last year, and especially against Miami. He's got 468 snaps this season. Miles Bryant has played just under 600 snaps. It's a back-to-front defense. Like we mentioned, they use DBs substantially more than any other position group in terms of snaps played, and it shows it bears out right here against Bryant this year, 40 of 56 for 413, three touchdowns and a pick. Mills, 27 for 45, 333, two touchdowns and two picks. They all get picks. They're all versed in both man and zone. It's a good group. You can get yards and go and down the field on them, but they really clamp down on the red zone, or they used to at least. Man, I wish... I wish one was for sure playing. Offensive line, defensive line, it gets even tougher here. Matt Judon leads the AFC with 15 and a half sacks. He's second in the NFL. And man, he's got the whole package as a pass rusher. Full arsenal of rush moves, counters, speed, speed to power, either side of the formation, executing rush games. He's an elite player. And Josh Uche benefits from the fact that he's also a beast, but also the attention that Judon commands. They'll operate from both sides of the formation. They'll loop inside. A lot of the rush is built around their versatility and the ability to run so many games, but also just get pressure from the outside. They're very gap sound, and they really have their gap integrity in line. Anthony Jennings is a player I like a lot. He's a nice depth piece who comes in on sub packages, even some base because of his ability with the run, with that length and the shock that he has in the hands. I'll also include Dietrich Wise here in this group. He's technically an edge, but he condenses inside and plays that nickel interior rush role a lot when they get to those sub packages. He's been a really good player for a long time, but he's having a bit of a breakout year here, evident by the numbers. Pressures and run stops among that group. Judon, 65 pressures, 34 run stops. He is a production machine. Wise, 50 pressures, 24 run stops, also very damn good. Uche, 44 pressures and 19 run stops, and then Jennings, 9 and 10. Christian Barmore inside, he's the complete package. He's so quick off the football and plays behind his pads. He kind of reminds me of Christian Wilkins in a lot of ways in terms of his skill set. Next is Devon Gottschow. We know about him, one of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles in football. He typically comes off in pass rush situations when Wise kicks inside. Then another familiar face, not that he played here, but Dietrich Wise has been there forever. Likewise, I should say, Lawrence Guy. We tried to get him a couple years ago, I think. These guys play such good gap control football. Among those players, pressures and run stops, 12 and 12 for Barmore. He was injured for a lot of the year. Gotchow's 13 and 27. And then Guy is 17 and 18. For our guys, staying on blocks and really trying to wipe out that first level, that first line of defense is so good at, you know, stack shed, two gap, kind of like our guys. If you can swallow them up and get consistent staying on blocks, you'll spring guys into the second level and get those blockers and those linebackers. That's where Miami has to win this game. They've been good good at it the last couple of weeks, staying on blocks in the Packer game, the Buffalo game, and 
not so much the second half of the Packer game, but staying on blocks and driving guys off of the line and driving them off of gaps. If we can do that again this week, I think we have a chance to win the game. And that's where like Rob Hunt's breakout year comes into play. It's where Rob Jones hopefully can play one of his better games and Connor Williams get back on track. If those three guys can play like we, we know they can, Miami has a good shot here. Running back and linebacker Jawan Bentley was a three-year captain at Notre Dame and a big hitter. That's why he's been as a pro. He leads the team with 39 run stops, has 16 pressures on just 108 pass rush reps, so he's a really good blitzer who can both get after the quarterback but also occupy blockers in a very meaningful way for his teammates. Running backs don't like going up against him in pass protection. His missed tackle percentage is just 8%. Uh, when you want to get him, though, is in pass coverage. He's on a really good change of direction skill set, and that's a big part of why the Bengals were able to get underneath and just eat him up in that part of the field. They don't cover that portion of the field particularly well because the linebacker spot is a little bit of a vulnerability when it comes to coverage on those types of things. Uh, Jelani Tavai, Mac Wilson, and Raekwon Davis all get snaps. It's a deep position group, and they fulfill different types of roles, but they want to go with Bentley and more DBs and more of that front, so those guys don't play a whole bunch of snaps. Uh, when McMillan's in the game, you guys know about that, like He's a run defender, right? So throw at him, too. That's kind of the approach there. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back on the other side and assess the Patriots' offense versus the Dolphins' defense. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The final Thursday night football game of the season coming up tonight, Titans and Cowboys. What a bad one that is. It's been, primetime's been rough this year, man. Let's go ahead and talk about a big game on Sunday, though, up in Foxborough, Dolphins and Patriots. Let's look at the Dolphins' defense versus the Patriots' offense here. Um, led by second-year quarterback Mac Jones. The numbers have dropped from last year. The tape wasn't great early in the year. It's been a little bit better since then. He's really dialed some deep shots to a receiver core that's just not built to consistently do that and stretch defenses in that manner. It's kind of been the saving grace of their offense, to be honest with you. He throws a pretty good go ball to that boundary X receiver. He hit one against us in week one to Jacoby Myers. He throws a bunch of them to Devontae Parker, but we'll see if Devontae plays this week. I don't know if he will. Uh, to me, Mac's best trait is his ability to keep his eyes downfield against the rush and move to new platforms and extend the clock long enough to get the football out. He gets the ball out in 2.48 seconds on average against the blitz. So it's give or take because like if he doesn't have that first read, you can take it away, man, you can light this dude up with a pass rush. He's not going to move and and be nimble to to evade, uh, you know, collapsing pocket. So to me, like keeping the pressure on him, however you have to do it, is the key. You pressure him a bunch, it's going to be a negative day for their offense, especially if you can stop the run and create those pressures on obvious passing downs. But against the blitz, he's 50%, so maybe you do go back to that blitz-heavy defense, 40 of 80, just six yards per pass, two touchdowns, four picks. It's been awful. Not blitzed, 70%, 7.2 yards per pass, seven touchdowns and four picks. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, By depth, 20-plus air yards. He's 22 for 55 with 700 yards, three touchdowns, and four picks. In the intermediate, 32 of 57, 
543 yards, two touchdowns, and four picks. And then short, 76%, under six yards per pass, three touchdowns, no picks. That's where he wants to go, though. He wants to throw the ball, catch rock, get it out of your hands. The best way to disrupt this offense is to keep them off schedule, and that starts in the run game. They ran for just 78 yards against us in the opener. That was one of six games with less than 80 rushing yards, of which they are 1-5. and five. The lone win coming against Sam Ellinger and the Indianapolis Colts in a team that was... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's not their best quarterback. They played that that day. Personnel-wise, 70% in 11, 17% in 12, uh, 3.4% combined on two back sets. That's a big change for the Patriots team. They've always had fullbacks, but between 12 and or 21 and 22 personnel, just 3.4%, and then 1.6% in 01 personnel, which I thought was interesting because not many teams run more than a couple plays in that package. Zero backs, one tight end, four receivers. And the Patriots receiving core, I mean, it's not going to be a mistake for the best in the league or by anything, by any stretch. So to run that package is interesting to me. Now, here's the rub. Like structurally, the offense has not been good. The spacing has been bad. They get receivers running into each other frequently. They're a mix between man and zone concepts in the running game. Their passing concepts don't follow a linear path. And the decision-making, immobility, and limitations of the quarterback accentuate those issues. This is another one of these quarterbacks in our division that we you know, the whole offseason talking point about our quarterback applies to truthfully the other ones. This is one of them. This is an offense that the Dolphins absolutely must, must hold to a low total. Don't let them score more than 13 points, man. This is the defense's time to carry the squad to a dub. If we win this game, it's because the defense went to work on what's been a bad offense all year, but it's been a bad defense too. So the rubber meets the road, I suppose. But let's step it up and get a huge win here with your backs against the wall. No one believes that you can do it. Let's go do it. Receivers and tight ends versus corners. You could argue this is the most wanting receiving group in the NFL. They've been involving Kendrick Bourne more, which is good because I like his game for them. Uh, Ty- Tyquan Thornton's a valuable piece because he has speed that nobody else does. Devontae Parker's there. Nelson Aguilar is inconsistent, but he can make big plays. It's a different group than the one we saw back in week one. Again, Thornton played 93% of the snaps last Sunday against the Bengals. He missed that opener. Jacoby Myers is their clear-cut one, and then Kendrick Bourne getting more work, like I mentioned, the last month or so. And then Marcus Jones comes onto the field for a few snaps every game, and you better identify that too because the ball goes there a lot when he comes on the field. Uh, Jacoby Myers is a top-shelf route runner who can beat any one-on-one coverage in the short to intermediate as well as anybody. When Mac is in trouble or you know a big situation, that's where he wants to go, to Jacoby Myers. His 78 targets are 30 more than the next closest wide receiver. That's Nelson Aguilar. Ramondre Stevenson is the only one is only one target shy of Myers at 77, <laughs> but we'll get to him in a moment. This is a tight end-centric offense. They spent big on Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith in free agency in 2021. They have 44 and 37 targets, respectfully. Henry exited the Bengals game with a knee injury, but was back at practice on Wednesday. Smith did all also leave the game but did not practice so if they don't have both of those guys we'll see how the offense looks a little bit different in terms of how they want to call it when they're cranking at maximum efficiency it's a solid run game with the tight ends that add gaps and then they throw off play action and they can kind of get you into some favorable one-on-one matchups for those two good tight ends uh, it'll be a big game for Eric Rowe to try to wipe those guys out a little bit and whoever covers the tight ends um, offensive line, defensive line. This has been one of the most fascinating position groups in the NFL for any team this year because they've shuffled, had some success, had some setbacks, but ultimately have a very talented group. And their starters last week and their season pressure numbers are as follows. Trent Brown, 34 pressures on 544 pass blocking snaps. You can get him with speed. He's a huge, heavy plotter. So if Bradley Chubb can play like 
been calling for it for a few weeks. Like he impacts the game. Don't get me wrong, but let's go make a huge impact play in this one. Uh, Cole Strange, love his game. 22 pressures on 513 snaps. David Andrews, 10 on 400. Michael Unwenu, 10 on 554. And then Connor McDermott came over from the Jets. He was off their practice squad. That's the replacement player at right tackle who's uh, had a good game last week, but eight pressures on 155 pass blocking snaps. They're as healthy as they've been. David Andrews is tough as hell. thought he was going to miss the rest of the year after that ankle injury he had against the Jets a few weeks ago, but he's back out there playing every snap. The more continuity they develop, the better they get in what's been a transition from a scheme that was trying to go towards zone, you know, from, from, or from man, I should say, from McDaniels to more zone with Judge and Patricia. But they did kind of scrap that like zone outside scheme they tried to run early in the year, and they've gone more power gap scheme where where, uh, they incorporate the play action off of that. It's a big, heavy offensive line, even by NFL standards. Brown, 370. on Wenu, 350. You've got to find a way to stay out of their crosshairs. And by that, I mean don't let them square you up. Attack half the man. Stay clean. Keep your outside shoulder clean because once they get paws on you, it's big-time trouble. And then Cole Strange, really good player. Tons of versatility. Smart. Have to imagine he'll anchor the middle of a good wide zone team someday. He's got unreal athletic ability. Again, for our guys, we just have to play the way we played all year. I think Miami matches up well in this position group and this will be the key to the game if you can dominate their offensive line their offense will not get anything done and Miami can hold them again to a low point total and I think we can score 14 points in this game I, I hope and if we can do that and hold them to 10 or less 13 or less might be able to get out of there with a big time victory uh, without your starting quarterback running backs and linebackers this is the, one of my favorite groups on the team Ramondre Stevenson's a total load uh, 3.77 yards after initial contact with 38 missed tackles forced he's at 4.8 yards per carry and five rushing touchdowns this year does have three fumbles though including a critical one last week inside the 10 yard line as the Patriots were driving for the go-ahead score with less than two minutes to play Maybe you punch one out early here and get him off the field because maybe you put him on the bench. I don't know. That would be nice to see if you can do that, And not to mention a takeaway. I love Pierre Strong's, Pierre Strong's game. The rookie has only 10 carries but 100 yards. Uh, Damian Harris was back at practice, though. That probably means less of Pierre Strong. Harris is averaging 3.12 yards after contact on nine forced missed tackles. Stevenson, th- both these guys have the exact same splits in terms of zone and gap, so it's not like player-specific, but rather just the offense. They want to run more gap, man-gap scheme. That first week was a lot more zone, but they've since pivoted back to that power style. So I'm just curious to see how Miami uh, approaches and changes their attack for a different style of running game. I think this is where the key for Miami really comes. Like We have to get our guys to win one-on-ones up front, to get off blocks, make stops, and force third and longs, get that pressure package going. Done a good job of that all year. This will be a big test for this Dolphins front against a good Patriots offensive line. Let's go ahead and take this last break right here and come back on the other side and get to the special teams, what's at stake, the three keys, and make the Week 17 NFL picks. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Picking it back up here in segment three of the special teams for the Dolphins and Patriots. Patriots ranked 24th this season in DVOA. The Dolphins ranked 31st in DVOA uh, ahead of Denver. 
Nick Folk is 30 of 35. I recall at least two of those misses were in like miserable, windy weather in the Jets game. He's got one miss from 50-plus and the other four from 40 to 49. He's 28 for 30 on PATs and Michael Pilardi. You guys watch Patriots games? It's been a rough go for them in the, in the punting game. Averaging 38 net, net yards per punt, just 27% inside the 20-yard line and a 9% touchback rate. Jason Sanders snapped a streak of 11 straight field goals made with that miss against the Packers, and they seem to come at critical times, man. It's been that 50-plus range that has produced the majority of the misses. Three from there, he's 12 for 13 in the 40-49-yard to 49 yard range, and then that one miss from under 30. Morstead's at uh, 42% inside the 20-yard line and then 4% touchback rate and a net of 40.4. So what's at stake here? Really, potentially everything. You guys know the scenarios. Win and you are most likely going to get in, not guaranteed, but the odds increase substantially. Would be nice to see a fifth straight win over those guys after years of popping up with the occasional December win in what was lost seasons most of the times. But what's really at stake with a potential playoff berth on the line, and haven't we said this all year, that the NFL has a ton of parity among the top contending teams and that anyone could really beat anyone on any given Sunday. And as it pertains to our Dolphins, now I know we lost games to three of the other six teams currently in, but we also have one, two against those same teams. And the losses, well, we belabored the point. Those losses are just by a play or two away from going the other direction. I think if you win Sunday, you can re-inject some positivity. Even if the Jets don't lose and you don't get that clinch, I think you establish some confidence and get them to come back down here with a chance to put the season on the line and win a home game against your most hated rival in the New York Jets. And then if you get that one, well, all of a sudden you're playing better. You're on a winning streak heading into the postseason. So this game, what's at stake? Possibly the entire year, and hopefully we can do enough to get our quarterback back. That's I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. We'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen you know, even this Sunday or going forward, but hopefully you get enough uh, to, to make that happen down the, down the line. Three keys to the victory for the Dolphins here. Stop the run. I think I made that point pretty clear. If you can get them in third long uh, for an offense that struggled all year in most situations, but all offenses struggle in third long, let's keep them in that spot and get some splash plays. We need them on this week. Uh, slow the New England edge rush, key number two, because Judon and Uche can ruin games. Dietrich Wise as well, part of that group. Don't let those guys beat you in this game. Put some, some extra bodies out there. Do what you have to do to keep your quarterback upright. And then three, win in the third phase on special teams. I expect this game to be... A bit of a challenge for both offenses, so hidden yardage is going to be key. You know, penalties, special teams, that type of thing. Win in that area, and you have a chance to get out of here with a big, crucial ninth victory this season. The Week 17 picks. We had a tough week last week, just 10-6. and six. That brings us to 166, 74, and 2 on the year. That is 69.2%. We are right on the threshold of that 70% goal. Hoping we'll hit that. We'll see. It's changed already from 75 to 72 to 70, but I digress. I'll take the Cowboys over a Titans team that's not playing anybody uh, tonight. I'll take the Patriots over the Dolphins. I'm sorry. I hope it's not the case, but that's my pick this week. Atlanta over Arizona. Philly over New Orleans. I'll take the Giants over the Colts. The Panthers to usurp the Bucks for the top of the division with one game to go. The Chiefs over the Broncos, and we need that one because we need Buffalo playing their butts off in Week 18. I'll take the Lions over the Bears, the Jaguars over the Texans, Cleveland and Washington. What an ugly game. Give me Cleveland. San Francisco over Vegas, who pull, pulled the plug on Derek Carr today. Um, Seattle over the Jets. Could be a big one if Miami wins. Green Bay over the Vikings, the Chargers over the Rams, the Ravens over the Steelers. 
and the Bills over the Bengals on Monday night. Tomorrow, Taylor Kyles of the NFL Media Next Gen Stats Wing joins us. He also contributes analysis with video and written for Pat's Pulpit. Then we'll be with you guys on Sunday evening with the latest from the game and an update on playoff scenarios based upon what happens in Foxborough and Seattle on Sunday, respectively. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Pod. Check out our YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Cameron, Daddy's coming over.